that uh, this has been a week and this is quite a season that each and every one of us are living through uh, in a multitude of ways and it seems to ratchet up. And so I have a word of hope, I believe, today uh, from God's word for each and every one of our hearts. And so for the past few weeks, we've all been talking about presence and whether it is God's presence or whether it is that our presence matters. And God being present God with us, how many of you know that it never means that you're going to have a problem-free life? It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have problem-free cultures. It doesn't mean that we're not going to go through seasons of intense struggle like we are currently living through. In fact, God's presence in our life, God being with us, here's what it can actually mean. It can actually mean that sometimes because he loves us, not because he doesn't, he will lovingly lead us into moments where we find ourselves stuck in a moment that we can't get out of on our own. He will paint us into proverbial corners once again, not because he's displeased with us, but because he does love us. And it is in this place, though, where God's presence is fully there, but also the purposes of the enemy are also activated. And the enemy's same lies, when we are painted into corners, when we are working through conflict, disagreement, even division, when we are in these places, in these positions, whether it's individually or as a culture, the enemy's lies, they're the same lies, but they can take on greater influence. You know, as Ignatius of Loyola would say, when this happens, when we find ourselves stuck in a moment that we're just, we can't get out of on our own or where we're painted into this proverbial corner, you and I can display an unwillingness to trust that what God wants is for our greatest happiness. Because what it feels like is he's pulling away the very things that actually make us happy, but really what he's trying to do is to drive our dependence on that which can never be taken away. Each of us is still learning to follow Jesus. Anybody experts in following Jesus? Can I see your hands, please? Anybody got it nailed down? No other issues? No, no. You Even if you've fallen Jesus for like 40, 50 years, there are no experts. Every, every single one of us is still learning to follow Jesus, to abide in God's love, which means letting him uproot things which have a hold of our hearts, which don't lead us in the way of Jesus. Again, The story we're looking at is the story of Moses, and God is, and because God is, God does. It always works that way. Whatever God does flows out of who God is. In God, there's no variation, there's no shadow. Who I am and what I always do, mm, there's gaps between some of those things sometimes. What I want to be and what I end up doing, no, no, there's gaps. Never with God. Who God is, it's always what God does. And so for Moses to understand what God is doing, God reveals who he is. And it's in Exodus 34, verses 6 to 7. We've read this a few times. It says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious. Aren't you glad that God is merciful and gracious? He's merciful and gracious. He is slow to anger. Doesn't mean he doesn't get angry, but he's slow to anger. And he abounds in steadfast love. He's faithful. He keeps steadfast love for thousands. He forgives iniquity and transgression and sin. By the way, those are three separate things that are usually summarized in the single word just called fallenness or brokenness. But all, everyone say but all. But all, or but who will by all, by no means clear the guilty. Well, I'm guilty. 
you're guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And so God is remarkably gracious and he is abounding in steadfast love towards us. And because he is so loving, he is also wholly just. He doesn't overlook. God never overlooks sin. So he doesn't overlook if I lie, nor does he forget a genocide in Canada regarding residential schools. He sees on the individual level and also the societal level. He never forgets, though sometimes we may wish to, because he is love and from his love flows these abounding love, but also wholly just. He never forgets. God never ignores sin. He pardons it or he punishes it, but he never ignores it. During 1915, during World War, time, World War I, a time of a worldwide crisis, Frank Bartleman remarked this, that Christianity, who God is and what God does, that that has not broken down, but men, but humanity have failed to be Christian. You know, perhaps you feel similarly today. How many of you know by a show of hands, and you can raise them your hand in the chat or here in person, how many of you know that life can be unfair? Leaders fail, and they break trust. It seems like evil wins the day. God's promises that are yes and amen, man, do they seem delayed in some season, though. And conflict abounds everywhere. And blame is always placed on a them. Oh, loved ones, guard your heart in the season that we find ourselves living through today. Guard your heart. Guard your lips. Guard your mind. Guard your heart. Guard your thinking. Guard those things. Don't, don't well them up, but guard them well. Because it's too easy to see others as the problem. It's too easy to see others who don't maybe share your perspective, though they may be wrong. It's too easy to say, if they weren't, then I would be. Because what we're gonna see today is, no, no, we need to go a little bit deeper. Sometimes, to uproot some things from our lives, God leads us into a corner. Now, what looks like an impossible impasse is only impossible from our perspective. And let me read the story. It's not the one I just read, how God defined himself. It happens earlier, where Moses is learning to trust who God is. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Exodus chapter 14. If not, it's going to come on the screen. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel to turn back and to encamp in front of Pi Hathoroth, between Migdal and the sea, in front of Baal Zephron, here's what it says, and I want you to see it. It says, you shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, they are wandering in the land. This is true. The wilderness has shut them in. This is true. I will, fair, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. This is what God says. Uh, harden Pharaoh's heart simply means he's going to let Pharaoh do whatever Pharaoh wants to do. 
Okay? He's not pinning a puppet strings. He's going to harden his heart. He's going to let Pharaoh do what Pharaoh desires to do. I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts. And it says here that the Egyptians, not just the children of Israel, the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And it says, and they did so. Now, the children of Israel in this moment... They have just gotten out of Egypt. Moses has led them out of Egypt. They're in the wilderness. They are on their way to the promised land. And what they find themselves is stuck in a moment that they really can't get out of themselves. There's nothing they can do. And here's what God asks them to do. And it's powerful and it's prophetic and it can speak to our hearts and lives in this season if you will allow it, especially on this Thanksgiving Sunday where you may have lots that you are thankful for or your heart may be stirred and in turmoil. In here may not be calm and quiet. It may be really noisy because of the level of volume of we find ourselves, of the world in which you and I find ourselves living through. When I think of the children of Israel in the story, again, they've come out of Egypt and God asks them, invites them to encamp facing the sea. And there they are facing something that they can't cross on their own. And in behind them, now they know that there is an enemy in full pursuit named Pharaoh. Pharaoh is in full pursuit. They are not where they once were. They are not yet where they desire to be. They are not in a land of promise. And they are facing, once again, an impossible obstacle, something that they can't solve on their own. And the Lord asks them to encamp and to face the sea, to face what it is as right in front of them. You know, oftentimes in my life, I can see just perhaps like in their lives that the children of Israel, they want to get away from Pharaoh. That's what they want to do. But God has a different plan. And his plan isn't just that they would get away from Pharaoh. God wants to get Pharaoh away from being their God. He wants to get not just them out of Egypt, but Egypt out of them. That's what he desires to do. And in my life, here's what it can look like. And here's what I've discovered in my life. Maybe you have too. Most times in life, let's just say I'm going through a season of conflict. Anybody here experiencing any conflict in this season? Can I see your hands? I don't know how you're not. (laughs) It's just a season rife with conflict. You know what I want? I want calm. I want calm. I want everyone just to lovingly, I say these words with love and affection, but with forcefulness. Don't you want just, don't you just want everyone right now, just everybody shut up. Everybody go to your room. Everybody needs a timeout, okay? Everyone, everyone, but not me. Yes, you. In particular, you. Timeout. The one who says, not me. I'm not, I'm not, yeah, you, you're the instigator. You just can't see it. You're, you're instigating everyone. I'm not doing anything. Yes, you. Timeout. What I want is calm. That's what I want. When Lori and I are in conflict, I want calm. If she would agree with me, we'd have calm. With my kids, I want calm. That's what I want. You know what God wants? Shalom. Which is totally different than calm. He wants that which is causing unrest to be dealt with. He wants to give us peace, not as the world gives. He wants us to be reconciled to him. And then work out reconciliation this way. What I want and what God wants are usually not the same thing. I just want, like, again, everybody, shh, everyone just shh. 
But could it be in the season that God is trying to do something significant in Canada? So God leads them to encamp in a place, once again, where before them is the sea and behind them in pursuit is an enemy. And they're painted into a proverbial corner. They're stuck in a moment that they can't get themselves out of it. There's nothing that they can do. But here's what I think is significant. God has led them there. They have been led there. There's no other way to get to the promised land but to get through these impossible obstacles. There's no other way to get to shalom. We're not going to get to shalom just by going shh. got to sometimes get through these seasons of difficult conflict and division to actually get to genuine peace and shalom. So again, could God be doing something similar with us today? How do we heal these growing, which seem like impossible divides? The question, a question we have to ask ourselves is, do we trust the way of Pharaoh? The way of Pharaoh today, once again, is just blame everyone who disagrees with your perspective. Or do we walk in the way of Jesus? Today, here's an amazing question. When you look out, what do you see? What do you see when you look out at Canada today? More divided than at any point in my life. What do you see? Do you only see problems? Because if you don't see any, <laughs> I want your life. <laughs> do you only see problems, though? I am so sorry. Or does the presence of the Holy Spirit in us mean that there is potential for miraculous provision. You know, when we're stuck in a moment, loved ones, here's what I would say. Don't let your disappointment of what is small size God in your eyes. This is the temptation of every follower of Jesus to reduce God to the size of our disappointment. And I don't think it makes you a bad person to struggle with this. I think it makes you human. As a follower of Jesus who also happens to be a pastor, I've sat at bedsides. Where a husband or a wife has believed every promise of God And that one who they loved most in the world has died. I've been in those moments. And the temptation in that moment is to try to explain it. The temptation in that moment, the battle in that moment, is to define God by our greatest disappointments rather than who God is. And this is what we too are walking through together. As the children of Israel camp facing the sea, can you imagine what they may have thought about God? Like I know they had it bad in Egypt, but this seems worse. Because now they don't have the comfort of familiarity, at least this I know. 
Now we are led into the middle of a wilderness. Before us is a sea. And now we have an angry who's ang- an enemy who is angry and in hot pursuit of us. And we know here's what they believed in that moment. Pharaoh is all-powerful in this situation. But what God was trying to show them is, uh-uh, there is a God that is greater than Pharaoh. There is something that is possible beyond what you can see in this moment if you would have eyes of faith to see it. Perhaps God desires to teach us in life or to teach us that life should not only be defined by what is in front of us or who's behind us. The whole heart of these six weeks, beloved, is this. Many of us define life by, again, what's in front of us, what we're pursuing, and many of us also define life by what's happened to us and what's occurred in our lives, by what's behind us. But what we're trying to get you to say is there's a third way and a third thing that you and I need to fully consider, which is life is not just what's in front of us, nor is it what is behind us, it is who is with us. And for the children of Israel in this moment, it wasn't just Pharaoh that was chasing them, nor was it there was a sea that was in front of them. If you know the actual story that I'm referring to today, the very thing that all they could see was problem, the sea, was the actual place of provision that God had for them. God had actually led them to a place of miraculous provision, only he didn't show it to them right away. He led them to a place where he says in his own words, God does, that I am going to show not only the children of Israel, but I'm going to show everybody in Egypt as well that Pharaoh isn't Lord. I alone am. And we're going to see the God of love and from his love is going to flow justice. Haven't you noticed that the enemy always does the opposite of what God does? Because his aim is always for us in conflict, in strife, in division, to lose a heart of gratitude. His, his aim for my life and for yours is to lose sight of who God is if we don't see perhaps God do exactly what we thought and think he should do in a moment. The scripture that we just read a moment ago says this, Pharaoh will sell it, say of the people of Israel, the wilderness has shut them in. Here's what's powerful about the lie of Pharaoh. Pharaoh is absolutely true. He is just not factored in God. I'm going to say that again because some of you need to hear it with your whole heart. Pharaoh is absolutely true. The wilderness has shut them in, but he has not yet factored in God. That's always what the enemy desires to do. Your life is this. Your marriage is this. Your family is this. Canada is this. We will always be this. And yes, it may be 95% true, but church, beloved, leave room for God. Don't forget in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your business, whatever it is that you're going through, Canadians don't, let's leave room for God to do what God alone can do here. Let's get our eyes not just on the problem. I'm not saying it's not a problem we're living through and the divisiveness that we're living through. I'm not saying it isn't a problem. What I am saying is if we leave room for God, where we can only see problem, God can actually bring miraculous provision. Both God and Pharaoh, beautiful, listen to this. Both God and Pharaoh want to confine the children of Israel. God leads them to a place where before them is a sea and behind them is an enemy. They are confined. And Pharaoh loves that they are in a place of confinement. The difference is 
God is leading them in love to a different destination. And Pharaoh was only out for his own self-interest, therefore their destruction. Oh, church, know the difference between the plans of the enemy and the plans of God. Know the difference between the loving constraint of your heavenly father and the unequal lies of the enemy. Every single one of us in this moment is constrained. The question is, what are those arms around you? The arms of love or the arms of lies? This is something all must reflect on. John Mark Comer says this, not all paths lead up the same mountain. There are different paths up different mountains. You're spiritual. Cool. Who are you spiritual with? You believe in God. That's great. Which one? This matters. See, you and I, we love the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. Man, I love that God is all those things, but do I equally love that God is also just? Who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children, the children's children to the third and fourth generation, which is perfect for child dedication Sunday. You see, God is just, and all injustice will meet a God who is love, and from his love flows perfect justice. And here in a moment, if you know the story, you maybe don't even need, you don't even need to know yet the ending of it, because the very thing that they were encamped facing was a sea, and God is going to separate the sea, and guess what? They're all going to get through and walk and get on to the other side. But Pharaoh, who thinks that the way of God can be taken in his life without allegiance to who God is. See, the mistake of Pharaoh is to believe that what God was doing in here for the children of Israel would be available to him. And in this story, under the law, what we see is a God of justice. Did you remember last week, if you were here and if you weren't, if you're catching up, there's this moment where Moses has blessed with a burden because he sees an Egyptian that is beating a Hebrew and he knows that it's wrong, but he doesn't yet know God and his heart is grieved and his heart is moved and so God needs to take him and actually in the school of formation to teach him who God is and who he can be and how God sees him. It's an extraordinary story, but in the story where God is saying to Moses, God says, says these words to Moses in paraphrase. Moses, you're not the only one who sees the injustice here of Egypt. You're not the only one who sees their cry. And in this moment, as Pharaoh boils through the Red Sea, God closes it on Pharaoh. So once again, as an act of justice for injustice, as an act for everyone in Egypt to know that Pharaoh isn't Lord, that Yahweh is greater. It is actually a move of truth and of justice that is extraordinary for you and I to see. God's love separates the problem, which was the sea that was in front of them. I'm going to say it again. God's love separates the problem, not the people. Children of Israel walk through together. The ones who murmured and the ones who had faith. They all walk through together. Aren't you glad that our salvation is not based on our opinions. How many of you know people that you don't like are gonna be in heaven? <laughs> people who you disagree with are gonna be in heaven. Here's what Jesus says in his Sermon on the Mountain. He says these, you have heard it said, 
but I say to you. In other words, this is what you think is true, but this is what is actually greater truth. He says, you have heard it said that murder is wrong. But I say to you, if you even hate your brother, if you hate your brother or your sister, if you have hatred in your heart towards them, you have heard it said adultery is wrong and Jesus doesn't come along and say, it's no big deal. He says, no, no, you've heard it said, but I say to you, the problem isn't there. The problem actually starts way earlier with your lust problem when no one knows. So here's what we need to see today. If it is true that the destructive work of the enemy happens in our lives sooner than we realize it, so if it's not at murder, if it's at hate, if it starts here, could it not also stand to reason that God's working in our lives happens sooner than we realize it? If the very same thing that the enemy does is God also not moving simultaneously in this moment, the challenge that we have as Canadians in this noisy, noisy, noisy time is do we only see a problem or do we see that we are actually the whole time staring at the provision that God had for us? Can we not see in this moment? Can we not see in this moment? I don't know why I do that. I got to stop doing that, but I'm just, I can't stop, won't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. Can we not see though that perhaps what God is trying to do in my life and yours is lead us to someone greater? On this Thanksgiving Sunday, are you stuck in a moment you can't get out of? If you know the story that I'm referencing, if you don't, I'll fill you in. The children of Israel are going to get onto the other side of an impossible problem. They're going to get on the other side of the Red Sea. And you know what they're going to discover? Ah! Pharaoh wasn't the greatest problem in our lives. Ah! The problem wasn't out there, it's in here they're gonna discover that what we often think of as the greatest enemy in our life is just a symptom of what God is trying to source out. According to Jesus, the source of our deepest divisions are not vaccination statuses, ethnicity, sexuality, or political divisions. Does anyone have the interpretation? <laughs> that was like a pure Christian joke. If you're like, uh, huh? Uh, what? Stick around. We'll, 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 we'll fill you in. <laughs> Beloved, if you think the Red Sea is impenetrable, an impassable problem, it's got nothing on sin. We've been talking all morning about a God who is gracious and loving, but also a God who is just. Every single one of us faces a sea of sin that we cannot pass on our own, and it creates a multitude of problems. 
Because of Jesus, this is what Jesus did for us on the cross. His brother James goes on to say, for judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy, but mercy triumphs over judgment. Because Jesus received what we were owed. Mercy gives us a gift we could never deserve. And so when you find yourself stuck in a moment you can't get out of, where before you is a sea and behind you is an enemy, on this Thanksgiving Sunday, trust God who is for you, is greater than whatever is in front or behind you. Take heart and let us be tender towards others, especially those others who are driving us nuts. (laughs) Because what may look like us being stuck or what may look like stuck to us could just be God's plan of bringing Canada to its knees to recognize, ah, we actually do need a savior because left to our own devices, we tear one another apart. But loved ones, if this chapter is not yet good, I have good news. God is not yet done. Do we have problems today? Yeah, 99 problems, and every single one of us is one. Do we have problems? Absolutely. But leave room for God. Don't just see the problem. Because like we learned in this story, when we get to the other side, we may actually realize I was staring at the provision all along, and I just couldn't see it. I'm going to invite you all to stand. Put your hands out in front of you like this. If you're at home, you can, re- you can remain seated. I won't know. <laughs> but you can put your hands out in front of you like this. And I'm going to pray a prayer over you. And then uh, Pastors Rhonda and Jason, they're going to come up, and they're going to lead us in a responsive prayer on Thanksgiving but I'm going to pray a prayer over us right now. Some of you can pray it for the first time or another time. Together, let's all pray it. Just dear Jesus. Oh, you're going to pray it with me. I love that. Let's keep doing it. Dear Jesus, lead and guide my first and my next step in you. Where you lead, I will follow.